Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Digital Marketing Agency Builders Podcast. In this show, we discuss the rapidly advancing digital marketing industry and how to grow a profitable marketing agency with some of the best minds in the space. Since 2015, Tyler Narducci has been building and scaling his own digital agency, helping businesses grow and market their services and products through online advertising. Now, he's helping other startup digital agencies launch and scale rapidly to six figures with the Done For You Agency program. If you are interested in taking your agency to the next level and skip all those painful mistakes most have to make by learning directly from those killing it in the digital agency space, then apply now at dfy-agency-program.com scale. That's dfy-agency-program.com scale. There will be a clickable link in the podcast show notes below. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to the next episode of the Digital Marketing Agency Builders podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Narducci, and I have today with me Sarah Noel Block. Sarah spent seven years as a marketing department of one for a five-company group. As challenging as it was, it gave her a valuable skill set. She learned to optimize time and budget through streamlining, systemizing, and automating to build an effective and efficient marketing department. Today, Sarah is a writer, editor, and content marketing strategist for facility services, construction, medicinal, real estate, and software companies. She works with time-strap marketers and mid-sized B2B industries to build high-impact marketing without increasing headcount. Woo, you got a lot going on, Sarah. Sarah uses her tested and proven framework to streamline content marketing, social media, and email marketing through smart systems. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, when you read it all out loud, I'm like, gah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, she is, she is all over marketing. I mean, I was just going, just going through the list of construction, medical, real estate, SaaS. I mean, you are uh, a one woman powerhouse and I, I love it. And that's really one of the cool things that we're going to talk about is uh, output, you know, in, increasing your output from just one person instead of having to build these massive teams, like everyone, you know, assumes that you do. So I, that's what I'm really yeah. excited to get, get into like today with you a big scaling culture. I feel like where everyone thinks they need to grow their team, they need to grow their team. And it's really, well, maybe you should optimize your operations first before you <laughs> add yeah. more people on. There's also something to be said about, you know, not everybody wants to have a giant yes. massive agency, right? Not everybody wants to have a giant <laughs> business. Like that's a goal of many and that's a great goal, but there are some people that they really just want to have a nice life pay the bills, be their own boss, you know, and, and, yeah. and play by their own rules. And that's like their sweet spot. Like they're not trying to become a fortune 500 company. And so not enough people talk about those people, you know, you're spot on because when I first started my business, I had so many contracts right off the bat that I, I made that mistake. I started adding people right away because I couldn't handle it at all. And I absolutely hated it. <laughs> I yeah. hated having a big team and I just like moonwalked out of there and rearranged how I lived my life and my business. Yeah. Working with so many like digital marketing agency owners, I've seen several of them slip into hiring before the work was even there to justify the hiring. And I that killed me. I don't understand that. <laughs> killed me. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, so you hired this person, you agreed to pay 
them a salary or a, a, a monthly commitment to them financially. And you now you're going to scramble to try and justify that cost. It made no sense to me. No, um, especially an agency because contracts end, contracts start. You need to be really um, agile and be able yes. to have your team that set up in an agile way so you can add and release as needed. Absolutely. One of the ways that I've always, you know, worked with agency owners to help them on this is, is when we build our team, it's contract based, like contractual based. Mm. So get the, you know, you get the work, you have the relationships ready to go in terms of contractors, fulfillment team. And you say, Hey, you know, you already established that relationship. So you go over to them, Hey, we got a new job. We need a, we need more support. And then it's just a smooth exactly. transition up and down, which like you said, agile. So Let's just get right into it. I got lots to ask you and I'm, I'm excited for this episode. So um, can you tell us a little bit more about your time uh, as a one woman marketing department yeah. running uh, the five company group and what that was like? I can't even imagine. I like to think of it like the the spider that bit Spider-Man, like my origin story if I were a superhero because <laughs> it started off real messy, just like any superhero origin story where I was just stumbling around trying to figure out how to make this work. So I was in a situation yeah. where, yeah, I ended up getting advancing to a point where I was in charge of marketing for five companies. And I had to figure out how to do that when I had seven different, no, five different presidents, seven at one point, we ended up getting rid of a couple of the companies, but five presidents breathing down my neck with their own ideas of what marketing should look like. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So I stumbled around for a couple of years trying to figure yeah. that out. But then I came up with my system, which I now call the tiny marketing framework, where we streamline, systemize, automate, and now use AI, and then outsource the pieces that we can't optimize through operations and systems. And that is what I did for them. And starting off is building out a marketing strategy for that one client that you absolutely love and basically cloning them, <laughs> creating a marketing yeah. strategy that allows you to clone your favorite people. Yeah. I love that. That uh, I want to, I want to just reference back to your experience in that, in that company and how you, you have that origin story. Cause I have a similar origin story where I was working Let's at a company that just didn't appreciate me and was paying me very, very little. And I had this aha moment of like, wow, like I'm running all of their marketing and it's going well. Like we're doing really good yeah. in terms of marketing. So like you're slowly starting to see that the insane value that you bring to the table um, and how, you know, that some, in many cases working for a company, it's not necessarily so appreciated. And you're like, I could replicate this value for a lot of other, yeah. a lot of other clients and start my own thing and, and, and be really successful. And it sounds like you kind of at some point, you must have had that aha moment because you didn't. Yeah, you, yeah, you, I didn't, myself right? now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I already had the experience of having to juggle multiple, I will call them clients, but they were all within the same group. So mm -hmm. I already knew how to do it. And so it was a really easy transition as far as that. Like all of the other pieces, like taxes, that was not an easy transition for me. Oh, but Yeah, same. But the client work was an easy transition for me. Um, but yeah, I, I still have a relationship with all of the people there and two are clients. Hey, there you go. <laughs> See, I tried to flip mine into a client, um, when I left, but they were so offended that I would dare do my own thing <laughs> instead of just, you know, work 
with them yeah. that it didn't work out. So I made sure that I had enough clients before I, you know, pitched it to them, but it didn't go over well for me. That's the way to go. I did the same thing where I had enough contracts before I left my full-time job to cover my salary. Mm-hmm. And then now I worked for a couple other places after that experience. So it took them a couple years of being pissed at me, to be fair, yeah. to end up becoming clients. And I was really lucky that the company I did leave when I started my full-time job, they also became a client. Yeah. And they weren't salty. <laughs> See, that that those are the those are the best types of relationships, but we can't we can't count on them. And I always like mm-hmm. hearing uh, you know, entrepreneurs in the digital marketing space, their their story of kind of breaking free from that nine to five, going out on their own and then finding, you know, their own like successful thing like you did. So you have found uh, a lot of success in the content space and content marketing space Mm -hmm. and uh, helping people realize that you don't need a whole lot of people on a team to have a successful, you know, marketing strategy. Clearly you are successful for running a a five brands all under one company. So, you know, it doesn't have to be as big as everyone thinks, but in terms of content, I just want to start off like, what do you think is working well in terms of content marketing in 2023? Because we've gone through a lot of iterations, you know, I, yes, I, we I, have. I'm curious, like, I remember one, like back years ago, people, blogs were like a big thing, but like now I don't think blog, like do blogs even really exist? Are they still use a tool? Like I have a lot of questions for you on that. They- what, what's working? Yes, they are, but nobody says blogs anymore. Blog feels like such an outdated term. Now it we'll does. just say articles. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, blog is still working. Actually, most of my traffic comes from SEO from my blogs. And I turn all of my podcasts into blog articles too. Love so it. it's still working. I'm I'm more of a reader than anything else. So I'm always reading blogs over if someone posted a video. There's different types of learners. So it's good to meet people where they're at. But the things that are working right now would be if you are doing articles, make sure that you're bringing influencers and experts into the process and interviewing them and including them because one, you amplify your reach because they will also share it. But two, with AI, you need to have something more personalized in it. Like I love AI. I'm not going to say anything against it. I love AI, but you need that human element in in it and you get that extra bonus of amplification. But yeah, now right after I say I'm not super into video, video is huge in 2023, especially video podcasts because like YouTube just a couple months ago launched their podcast stream. So pretty much every podcast is now recording the video from it and putting it on there. And one of my biggest drivers to my podcast is taking clips from the recordings of it and the shorts. (laughs) That's where I'm getting most of my views is the shorts and people clicking through to listen to the whole podcast. Yeah, same. I'm I'm doing the same and I'm finding a lot of success with it because it just gives you so much uh, small content and short, you know, social friendly content from one, you know, long piece of content, which is like a, a video podcast. You put it out on the audio, you put it, you have it on YouTube for the full length, and then you have it on all your social media channels with little clips. Speaking yeah. of AI, 
Literally, I think my favorite AI tool by far is Opus Clip, which does what you're saying. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, somebody like, I, I think several people probably lost a job when Opus Clip dropped because that yeah. is such an amazing thing. I feel so bad for my video editor because her work has been reduced a lot from yeah. because I've been using Opus, especially because you know, if I'm procrastinating and she didn't, her videos are better. <laughs> I will yeah. say for this. Her videos are so much better. But if I end up like producing something at the last minute, it's so much faster to do it that way. So yeah. I guess for anybody who's n not aware of what Opus is, you can put your, your uh, video in there and it will use AI to find the best hooks and create like 12 videos, 12 shorts in minutes it's amazing also speaking of ai do you use toasty ai for your podcast? no tell me about it my god it is glorious so <laughs> i try I'm, every I'm tool ready. I'm, a chronic, I'm a chronic beta tester and this is the best one so if you drop your podcast mp3 into it it will create a show notes page for you an article for you It'll give you the highlights with timestamps. It'll give you the transcript. It'll give you social media posts. It is amazing. <laughs> wow. What's what's that called again? It's called Toasty AI. And Love it. they actually pretty do a pretty good job of nailing your voice based off of the podcast in the article. So it doesn't wow. sound wonky and weird. <laughs> That's amazing. I will definitely be checking that out. Guys, I've already given you two awesome AI <laughs> tools in this episode, Opus Clip and Toasty.ai. If you're creating long form content, then this, this type of stuff can really help break that down easily for you so that you can maximize your reach across multiple social channels instead of spending hours trying to cut it all up yourself. Um, Sarah, what... Uh, I guess, how can a marketing agency, because that's a lot of our, our audience, our, our digital marketing agencies and um, freelance digital marketers, how can they 10x their content marketing without having to hire more staff? Yeah. So I, am, I work with a lot of agencies too as a partner, usually doing content strategy for their clients. And then I end up doing content strategy for them because Marketing agencies don't have time to market them for themselves. <laughs> a lot of them, yeah. They don't. Um, so one, utilizing those AI pieces. And um, two, creating something that's like serial content, some sort of series that makes it really systemized to produce on a regular basis and then repurposing it to be everywhere else. So like we're on a podcast right now. I have a podcast too. That's a great way of having a commitment. I have to create a an episode once a week or twice a week, whatever your cadence is. And then you can repurpose it using Toasty and Opus to show up all of the other times. But that's a really easy way to do it. And don't miss out on email marketing. So many people are afraid that their audience is going to be annoyed if they email them, but they wouldn't have subscribed to your emails if they didn't want to hear from you. So making right. sure that you show up every single week with something. So my podcast is bi-weekly. So every other week, it's about the podcast episode. And mm -hmm. then the off weeks, the opposite weeks of that, it might be about 
a social media post that I posted on LinkedIn that um, I thought I think might help them or something I like a video I posted in my community, something like that. Just tiny little tips that keep them engaged, give them value and keep them remembering I exist in the first place. There's a lot of people competing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I really like that suggestion. And you could probably use this Toasty AI to create that email copy from your podcast episode on those every other weeks, right? You could, yeah. So there is a section in Toasty where you can do, it's kind of like a chat GPT prompt. Um, So you just ask them to do something and it'll do it for you. So you could essentially do that. That's very cool. There's another one called Oasis that I had downloaded on my phone to try recently that does the same thing. You can give it just a few sentences like, you know, um, never get off a sales call without a close, a sale or a follow-up booked. Don't ever leave out any other outcome other than that. You could just say that into it and it will take that, that lesson or that few sentences and it will create a full blog post a, um, what? a, an art, a LinkedIn post, <laughs> uh, a tweet thread series. Um, and it creates all different forms of content from it. Now it's, it's I've tried it a few times. It's a little body and you need to still edit it to make it not sound so robot but it does a pretty good job in taking just a few, you say it, you don't even type it. You say it in that it just takes it and turns it into in seconds. <laughs> yeah. So that that's another one that you may want to may want to check out that I'm I'm just my gears are turning as you're talking about don't forget email because you can write a quick email like that and just edit it quick instead of having to really, you know, because a lot of people I think aren't huge on their content marketing just because they're scared of the like it takes them a long time to write something out and it feels exhausting and it feels overwhelming. But if you can give a tool a short thing and it creates most of the work for you and you're just editing up the ends much better. Agreed. Yeah. I use um, content at scale for like long form content that is AI. And I mean, it does take a lot of editing to make it sound like me, but it's also like 4,000 word article that (laughs) with like resources pulled in and everything. So it still saves me tons of time. Wow. This episode wasn't even supposed to be about AI, but let me tell you, it's hard to, it's hard to like not even talk about AI in today's world because it's just taking over so many things. And if, if us as marketers, everyone in every industry, but definitely us as marketers, if we don't lean into it and start utilizing it, then we're going to get lapped by all Um, the other businesses that are doing it. Yeah. And that is something that like content marketers really need to understand because there's so many things about like, oh, I hate AI. It's taking over our jobs. No, it's not taking over my job because there's strategy involved in it and there's editing Mm -hmm. and there's making it sound like you and bringing influencers in. It's taking over people's jobs that didn't have those skill sets to begin with. Yeah, exactly. You're right now, we we're in a great place where AI can make what we're already doing better, easier, faster, faster. more efficient. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and if and if you're not utilizing that, then you're going to be the slowest, you know, mm-hmm. slowest runner on the block, and you you don't want to do that. Um, and I think it's it's going to actually for the people that are willing to lean into it and use it, it's going to be amazing because you're going to be able to, you know, like never before, rise to the top with all types of stuff and and just crank out so much more volume 
Yeah, it'll be so much easier. And you just really need to start with one original thing. And then you can use AI to multiply it. So you're showing up consistently for your audience. Yeah, I love it. Um, so you mentioned email and how important email was before. Mm. And one of the, you know, the bedrocks of email marketing is at least like a welcome email sequence. Once somebody opts in or contacts you on your website or reaches out um, in any way, shape or form to the stuff that we're constantly putting out into the ecosphere. So what would be um, a welcome email sequence? I hear you have a three-step formula uh, for this. So can you share that with us? Yeah. So... I started off with a gift. <laughs> so thanks for signing up and here's some sort of gift. A really great one. No, so side note, I'll go here and then I'll go there. Um, okay. So start with that gift and it'll be whatever your lead magnet is. Welcoming them to the community. Here's the lead magnet. And then the second one would be more of an introduction to who you are and who you serve and how you help them. So that would be number two. And then number three, I like to give a virtual tour. These are the places that I hang out online. This is the kind of content that I produce, and this is how I help you. And then you can encourage people to subscribe to your YouTube channel or follow your podcast, whatever it is that the content that you do specifically. I'm actually going to make this a four part right now because then the next one would be an ask for a sale. So it could be some sort of small digital product. Or it could be, if you're interested in discovery call, click here, telling them a little bit more about your signature offer in that mm -hmm. fourth email. So I'm making it four because usually at that point, after the three steps, you transition over to a sales sequence and then nurture. How long was your sales sequence? Seven emails is seven. My so you got usual. four days. Four days welcome into uh, a full week of sales into regular nurture. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. But you can mix it up too. If you don't want to go directly into like a sequential block of sales emails, you can schedule it where it's more of like a evergreen sales funnel where you do your nurtures, like let's say every Tuesday is your newsletter. Um, and then like maybe once a month or every other Thursday, your sales email goes out and you don't want it to be super salesy, but you want it to move people through the sales process where you're talking about possible objections they might have, um, transformational promises, things like that. And then explaining how your signature offer fixes that. Yeah. Very, very cool. So you said, just to wrap up the welcome email, you said the first one is giving them the lead magnet. Mm -hmm. The second one is what? Is like an about me where you're talking about who you serve, how you solve their problem and who you are. Okay. And why so you're the lead best magnet, person to solve it. Lead magnet, about me, who, you mm -hmm. know, get to know me, then a tour of where you can find all of your resources, your podcasts, your mm -hmm. articles, your yep. <laughs> not blogs. Virtual tour. Virtual tour. And then the fourth <laughs> one is asking for the sale. Yeah, exactly. Love it. Love it. So for a lot of our listeners as digital marketing agencies, um, they are asking for a sales call or a discovery call. 
to, mm-hmm. uh, to learn more about the clients to then be able to potentially pitch, you know, higher ticket marketing services. So that ask for the sale in their case would be asking for a booked call, kind of like a Calendly. Yeah. So you can tell them a bit about your signature offer, or if you're an agency, like a full scale agency where you do a little bit of everything, maybe that one would be good for like a testimonial or a case study email. And then you Mm -hmm. ask for a fit call or a discovery call, whatever you call it. Yeah. So in the case of a digital marketing agency, once we move from the fourth email into the seven day sales drip, Mm -hmm. um, would you be asking for the booked call in all eight in all seven of them or, or not? Is there a call to action in all of them? I actually just wrote the a, a sales series for one of my clients yesterday, so it's fresh on my mind. Nice. Yeah, I like to add like here's how you schedule a call with me um, in a PS because people always kind of scan emails, but in the PS their eyes always go straight to it. So say ah. PS, if you want to schedule a fit call, click here. <laughs> I love that. That's a that's a really good uh, tip. I'm going to try that out in my own sequence and see if that yeah. increases uh, clicks. That's really, really good. So what are some ways a marketing agency can use content marketing to specifically gain more clients? Is there, you know, places that are better for them than others? I, I hear a lot of people say, don't try to be everywhere all the time, mm-hmm. all at once. Do you subscribe to that that yes. logic or do you try to be everywhere <laughs> all at once? What do you think? Yeah. So at this point, I'm in a lot of places, but I focus on LinkedIn because that is where my clients are. And then, so original content goes on LinkedIn and then I'll repurpose it on other platforms. Okay. But I create what I call a strategic story for my clients where it's, um, Basically what it is, is customer avatar, customer journey, brand messaging, content, marketing, action plan. And so I start with that, that customer journey is really the guiding light for me on how I decide what channels to be on. Like, where's my perfect customer hanging out? That's the only channel that really matters. What do, what kind of content do they like? That's the only thing that really matters. (laughs) I, because I've been around for a while, will repurpose it in other places, but you only have to be where they are. Wow. So then thinking in terms of, because I'm always trying to like reframe it back for our audience, which is digital marketing agencies, right? So thinking in terms of digital marketing agencies, many of them, most of them are niched. So you have an agency Mm -hmm. that, you know, they serve dentists, you have an agency that they serve chiropractors and e-commerce. So then using what Sarah said, really, you guys need to think about you know, where does your target audience spend their time? Where do dentists uh, get their, you know, get their information? Where do chiropractors, where do e-commerce stores? And then that's kind of where you should focus your, uh, you know, digital marketing efforts in terms of content. Would that be right? Yes. So the first thing I do is I interview customers for my clients and I found it, I find out exactly what their journey was what triggered them to look for a solution in the first place, what challenges they were going through, where they hang out. Where did they look for that solution? Yeah, where did they look for that solution? What's their process when they're trying to solve a problem? Um, These are the kind of questions I go through with their customers, and that gives you a lot of insight on what really matters. I create a ton of strategic, strategic stories for my clients, and none have been the same because I'm not working with wow. the same people. 
None. Sometimes I'm us, like, can you give us an example of this? Like what, what is an example of a, a customer journey that they surprise the client that they're like, Oh, well, we didn't even yeah. know that's how they got to us. Um, so I did one not too long ago where we were focusing in on CIOs. We wanted to work with CIOs and you'd think like tech people, they'd be hanging out digitally. They were not. They get all of their information in an analog way. So it's all referrals going to their networking groups and the content that they consume is almost always through conferences. So it was a lot of networking groups we're looking for, communities where they spend time and relationship building, business development. These were the strategies we went through with them where, you know, other customers I've, I've worked with, it's strictly digital where, oh, they love podcasts. This is where we need to be. And they hang out on LinkedIn. But it was funny. CIOs, they are very offline when it comes wow. to uh, getting information and learning. I never would have guessed that either. And so yeah. that then the company has to kind of rethink, you know, where are we spending our money and mm -hmm. our time and effort if it's not getting to the right things? And then you got to think, okay, so how do we get into the trade show rags? How do we make sure that we're attending these trade shows and, and, and making an appearance there and that kind of stuff? So that's yeah. huge data that can make a Which big Which ones are they going to? Finding, finding that out and how can you amplify your reach when you do go to them? Like, can you get speaking engagements at those conferences? Because that is like marketing one to many. And there's a really cool funnel that you can do to convert that audience to your own. Yeah. Yeah. By having like a, a barcode or a QR code, I mean, or something at the end that brings everybody yeah. in the audience to the same page to your funnel on their phone right then and, and kind of having them sign up and book calls and everything would be well, the really best. Cool sales funnel that I've seen through speaking engagements is yes, that QR code, but sending them to like a live masterclass or a workshop, something like that, where you can have a more personalized connection with them. And you're giving them a little win during that, during that process. And then from that point, it's so easy to sell because you've already proven that you know what you're doing. Yeah, and you, you become can, that authority figure. Yeah, and the masterclass can be an extension of whatever that talk was on. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the one of the tactics that I um, I put in my course, and I was t I was teaching agency owners this. It's like that, but on a smaller scale. There was a time not too long ago where WeWork and Meetup.com had a partnership, and mm -hmm. they and uh, WeWorks in all major cities would allow meetup.com groups to meet in their communal spaces, which are really oh, nice. Like that's really a cool nice partnership for free, for free. <laughs> that's a good deal. <laughs> huge because they're so expensive to rent those things out um, just for like even like an hour or two. And so you could have your meetup there. And so I, I was the, one of the, the strategies that worked really, really well was starting a free meetup group and just hosting a live, you know, digital marketing for your small business how to, how to yes. you know, get ahead on social media, how to run some paid ads for yourself, not how to hire an agency, but how to do it as the boss and CEO, you know, yourself. Yes. And I love that. It was great. It works very well. You'd collect a bunch of business owners. I mean, my class, when I did it, my classes were full. 
I'd had business owners sitting everywhere, just look, look, watching me show them how to post on social media, how to get their posts out there, how to run a few basic ads, what a funnel is. And I mean, the hour went by like that and everybody wants to get more information uh, and sign up for some type of service after because they see your authority figure, they yes. see how overwhelming it is and how big it is. Uh, and now, you know, you've got the audience. That's exactly it when you're teaching something is that yes, you give them a little win, but you're also showing them that it's so much harder than they yeah. might think and then they hire you to do it. But yeah. I love that idea. So how did you fill your classes? Was it just like meetup was enough? You didn't have to advertise yeah. it? It was so amazing. There was at that time, there was this super cool, I mean, just meetup.com. First off, they push your events for free. So there was no promotion needed. You literally just host it. You literally just put up the event. You need to not give it time though. So you'd, you'd book, you'd create the event for like in two months, there's mm -hmm. going to be a meetup at WeWork. We start a group on meetup.com for, you know, di digital marketing, um, digital marketing in South Florida or something, let's say. Um, and then you'd start uh, schedule meetups like every two months out um, so that they have time to build steam and just have it as a free masterclass, learn how to run social media and social media ads for your business. Uh, and they would fill up like crazy. You'd, I go in and check every day and we had, you know, seven more people in the group and three more people that signed up for the event and the events amazing. would sell out. And it, it, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, I'm like, it was completely free and it worked really, really well. Um, so now, unfortunately, WeWork doesn't host them for free anymore. So okay, you have, yeah. you can do I, I the same like... thing. <laughs> you can do the same thing if you're listening, but you're going to have to find a spot. You need to find a venue spot for it. Um, and so there's a few, one thing that's worked really well for me is I, there are colleges and universities and I'm not talking about like, don't like call up UM, like look at like Kaiser or different smaller, uh, universities and more like trade school style mm -hmm. schools. And they will be more than happy to let you come in on a Saturday and teach their marketing students along with members of the public and things like that. Like there are ways mm. that you can get free spaces. That's also public smart. libraries will do it as well. Yes. I knew that about, I assume that you'd have to pay for the college space so that I really like that idea because you're also helping the youth. Yeah. You're, <laughs> you're, something. I mean, you're, you're coming and you're providing free value that the, cause the college already owns the, the all you need is one classroom. You know what I yeah. mean? You just need one classroom with a whiteboard, which they have, and they're unused on the weekends. So literally it, you're giving the university a free resource, you know, and, and teaching people, especially in the marketing field or if they're, um, uh, MBA, um, on the way there as well. And then you could bring in other people from, from outside. So that's a, it's a cool hack to find, to get in front of Brilliant. people in your area. Yeah. I yeah. love teaching workshops, but I haven't tried any of what you're talking about now and I am going to. <laughs> Yes, definitely do it and let me know how it goes. I so will. I want to ask you, bringing it back to content, one thing that has always troubled digital marketers is trying to prove to their boss uh, the that, ROI. It's sub that something is working, right? Like I promise you social media is working and they don't, ads is easy. Ads is clear. You know, we have a cost per book call. We have a cost per sale. We have a cost per, per click, right? Th those are easy. Where it becomes less easy is in regular content marketing. You have articles, you have podcasts, you're clipping them up and you're putting them on social. And we see that they're getting traction and getting attention. Um, and in many cases, the people that are coming through the ads are doing their due diligence 
in the in the process, right? And they're going over to the pages and the the content that we're putting out is what gives them the confidence to move forward with the purchase, even mm-hmm. though they were originally brought in by the ads. So there's tons of benefit. We know that. But what are the KPIs that you actually look for to say client or boss, this is working? Yeah. So one thing that I would track is of those booked calls, can you see what content that they viewed in the past? Because like if you're using HubSpot, for example, you can track someone who signed up for something. If they they booked a call with you, they're being tracked after that. And you can see what content that they're viewing and Mm -hmm. how it influences them. So that's one thing. And then um, having like clear funnels with your content makes it a lot easier too. So you can see people are moving from this top of funnel content through to middle and bottom. You're able to track that through analytics and it'll give you a good idea of how it's affecting people. And then looking at how many leads that you're getting once you've started creating content consistently, because the idea of content is to build that trust and value before the call. So your sales cycle should be shorter. Track that. How long is your sales cycle? And you should be getting more booked calls because of it. Yeah, absolutely. There are there are ways where you can, you know, implement software and tracking uh, to help you know, guide, is this working? Is this not? Um, But I also do want to say for those of you that, you know, are, you know, in the beginning stages and you're just starting out and you're feeling overwhelmed by, I got to get all this content out there on all these pages and everything, you know, start, start small, work Mm -hmm. your way up and don't be discouraged if you don't have a whole ton of views or a bunch of, or, you know, thousands of followers, everybody that grows for themselves or for a brand has to start somewhere. And there are many, many podcasts out there that have very, very few views until, you know, year two. And then all of a sudden they're taking off. Yeah. I know, you know, Hormozy, um, who is huge now. I he love his spanks. <laughs> he's so good. And his podcast phenomenal. His YouTube video is so good. But, you know, he he went for, you know, over a year or more on his podcast where it had almost barely any views at all. And then all of a sudden, you know, his brand started taking off and, and that went off. But if he stopped, you know, a year, a year and a half into it, he would be nowhere where he is today, which he's like, he's like a billionaire. So you have to stay persistent. You have to keep at it. And you have to know that even if you don't have, you know, a ton of views, that it can still absolutely be working for you. Yeah. That is something I want to dig a little bit deeper on. <laughs> Just yeah. Um. Don't be discouraged if you don't have a ton of engagement or a ton of views because the lurk, the money is in the lurkers. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people view your content and they don't interact with you. And then you find out later that they were inter- that they were reading everything that you were reading and they just weren't commenting or weren't liking. And that's okay. That I've actually never had a client or someone who became a client comment on anything I've created, but they tell me later that that's how they found me. So it matters. And if you are just starting out and you're feeling overwhelmed at the prospect of it, start out with just a long form guide. And that will be robust content that you can add value to and can be repurposed and then move into some sort of serial type of content that you can consistently create. 
but just start off with one long thing that is helpful to people. Yeah, because you can take that long thing, chop it up, make lots of little things mm -hmm. uh, like we mentioned earlier. Yeah, and I, I think what you said, that there's money in the lurkers, that is so, so true. One thing people lose sight of in social media is it's followers, likes, and comments and shares don't pay the bills. They're no. not dollars <laughs> at the end of the day, right? So if you're judging how effective your social is by how many, how much engagement it is, you're actually quite off the mark because you could have tons of engagement and no sales. And is that a successful strategy? In most people's opinions, no, right? We're, we're all here to, to grow the business and make more money. And if you're not making money on it, but you got lots of likes, the machine is still broke in my yeah, opinion. Who and, cares? <laughs> right. Right. So you could have very few likes, very few followers, but the right follow or the right people that are in your sales cycle are liking your content and viewing it and building that trust that they need to, to make the sale with it. And that's all you need. That's a successful strategy, right? Mm -hmm. We spend, my agency spends a lot of money on paid ads. And if we didn't pump out content regularly, People, we would be losing a lot of people from the paid ads because they'd be coming in and be going, who's this guy? What do they do? They'd be looking us up and they wouldn't find any content. They wouldn't find yep. any anything to, to trust. Like, who the heck, who's that? So then you lose the sale because you didn't, you know, build, put something out there online that says, you know, we're real, we're established, we're an authority in the space. And you lose a lot of credibility, even if you don't have tons of likes, followers and everything, you need to, you need to impress that one buyer that's in the active mm -hmm. buying phase. That's who you need to impress. Yeah. Not 10,000 other people that aren't going to buy from you. That, yes, that is exactly like if you, if I were your ideal customer, I would explain it to you that way too, that I click on an ad, but then I bounce around to all of your content and see if you actually know what you're talking about before anything. And I'm a rapid buyer. If I like what you're teaching, I'm in. But if right. you don't have content to prove that you know what you're doing, I'm out. Right. It's a, it's in today's world, it's a massive red flag. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have, you know, big, bold ads, but then nothing online and no presence, it's a massive red flag for a lot of people. And people yeah. aren't dumb. People are not dumb. They do their research. Everyone does their due diligence. It's very easy and accessible to do that kind of stuff online today. And so if you're not showing up, you know, and putting yourself out there for those lurkers, for those people in the buying mm -hmm. process, you're leaving a ton of money on the table. So I'm glad, I'm glad we did get to say that. Um, Sarah, is, what social platforms do you recommend your clients be on and why? Is it, is there some that are just the best? Is it, does it go back to, you know, what your goals are? Or how do you define that for your clients? Yeah, I usually define it during that strategic story because it depends where your customers are hanging out. But I tend to work with B2B companies. So mm -hmm. LinkedIn has always been great for that arena. Yeah. And that that's where I spend my time. But I'm also open-minded. <laughs> if a customer, if my customer interviews tell me, like, actually, this group of people, they're hanging out on TikTok. I'm like, get the hell on TikTok. That's, that's yeah. where you should be. It depends where your customers are hanging out. But I have found LinkedIn to be the most useful. Now, do you focus mostly on um, just content to be posted on LinkedIn with call to actions? Or do you also um, do you also work with like connector campaigns as well? I do a lot of zero click content. 
keeping people on the platform because oh, LinkedIn, okay. well, I was going to say LinkedIn, but all social media platforms prefer that because they don't want people to send it away. So the algorithm mm -hmm. will show you more often if it's zero click. But um, I, yeah, I if I do have a call to action, it's usually in a PS at the very end after I've already added value. And then the link is always in the comments because social media hates hates links. <laughs> yeah, interesting. That's a very um, that's a very good tip as well, guys. I would write that down. Start testing A/B testing in your content. If you're putting a lot of outbound links in your post, start A/B testing some content that has no links, or the link is in the content or the link is in the comments uh, mm -hmm. instead, and see if those go farther. Because ultimately, yes, they do want you to stay on platform. Um, we do a lot of um, the content part of it, but also the connector campaigns. So initiating the conversation in DMs with the ideal target, right? Um, which keeps them on platform as well until you know there's a call to be booked. But even then, our team books the call on our end. So instead of sending the link and asking them to book in, because there's a lot of drop off with that, um, mm -hmm. it's you know what time what time and date works for you for a strategy call Monday uh, Monday at four p.m. Okay, great. What's your email and phone number? We enter it in, in our into our own booking form, uh, and then they smart. get the confirmation. Everyone stays on platform, and there's a sales call booked. Yeah, usually when I get a link, a calendar, that's link, where it I, that's I, where it ends. I, yeah, I'm like, eh, nah. it's cr it's so <laughs> crazy because there's it's it, there's this weird human psychological phenomenon that we have witnessed because we've worked so many clients doing the same strategy, and it's like it's wild you'll have an amazing conversation with a very interested person who is very actively engaging, responding quick and everything says they want the call. You give them the link and it just, boom, that's it. It disappears. Yeah. And it's like, what is that? There's this weird psychological thing about booking the call. So now it, the, the answer is literally just asking what is a good time and date? Great. What's your contact information? Fill it out yourself and boom, it's in their calendar. And it, it works so much better. It's because just human psychology. That's smart. Yeah. I definitely it's, bounce when I can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me, me too. Me too. But it, I just, I don't know why we do it. There's something there. There's, There's something there. It's a psychological trigger. I'm like, no, 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 yeah. no. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I totally get it. Um, how important, we've talked about this a little bit more. Um, how important would you say uh, one out of 10 is repurposing content for a successful marketing content marketing strategy? 10. Um, people are probably not going to see your content much the first time around mm -hmm. and without, I consider it a distribution strategy repurposing because it's just the goal is to get eyes on that original piece of content. So like we were talking about podcasts earlier and Opus. So you create 12 new videos from your podcast. My goal with every single one of those times I'm sharing it out is to get people over to the original piece of content. It's all about distribution. So are you saying when you post these clips, are you saying in the comments or in the caption, link to the full episode in bio? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. To try and get them over. Okay. Makes sense. Um, I do... We're running out of time, but I quickly do want to ask you, um, what are your thoughts on X, the new, <laughs> the new rebrand of Twitter? Uh, I don't know. I, Twitter is such a joke to me at this point. Elon Musk has just embarrassed it. So I don't even go on it anymore. <laughs> yeah. How, how about threads? Are you, have you embraced threads? 
I'm on it, but I haven't embraced it yet. I I think that it'll be a great Twitter replacement mm-hmm. because I don't know. I honestly think Elon Musk is thinking Twitter is a big practical joke. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, we're gonna rebrand this now. And to me, it feels like mark. it feels like because he overpaid so much for it, like $44 billion, like yeah. way more than it was actually valued. I feel like he's intentionally tanking it so he can claim bankruptcy on it. I like, think so too. Yeah. It's just I have the same theory that he's pissed off about the whole deal and just trying to tank it. <laughs> Yeah, because like what, what what every time you think he's he can't do something more damaging to it. Yeah, he you're does. like what's happening right now? <laughs> yeah. Like the only people that are 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 still like yeah, yeah, Twitter are like total Elon fanboys that he could do <laughs> yeah. anything he wants and they're just going to be like yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it's wild. I have embraced uh threads. I, you know, started using it right away and was able to bring a, a good portion of my my Instagram followers over and very happy with that. It's it's in the last week it started to very much stagnate in terms of follower growth like that whole big shift over from Instagram has has died now. So now yeah. it's it's very slow. The engagement is much much slower, but I'm hoping that now we're kind of going to see a a slow and steady rise in the platform because honestly, I like it so much more than Twitter. It's Do a, you? Yeah, it's so much like nicer. And like the people are just not as toxic and negative and Mm. there's not as much like, first off, there's also no ads, which is another huge thing. And there's just not just so much less garbage. Like there's not spam bots everywhere. There's not, you know, hate speech and all kinds of stuff. It's just the nicer place. I wish it was more engagement, but I like it. (laughs) I know. No, there, I'm sure there's some there, but not anywhere (laughs) near the amount you see on Twitter. Like your algorithm found the happy the happy mm-hmm. place. I love it. Yeah. So what do you say to clients, uh, Sarah, who say that they just don't know what to post? Yeah. So I go back to their strategy because it's really easy to know exactly what to post. You need to understand what challenges your customers are going through and talk about them. There is an endless amount of content. And if you are struggling to know exactly what to post, but you do know their challenges, go to ChatGPT and throw in, my customer is blah, and their challenges are blah, blah, and blah. What are 20 topics I can talk about on this subject? And I'm sure you'll find at least one that you like. Yeah, there are, now that AI is out, there are zero excuses for writer's block or, you know, content creation block because the, one of the most, the best features of AI is inspiration. It's mm-hmm. not it's not there yet where you can just say, hey, write, write tweets for me, write a blog post for me. Because if you did just straight up copy paste it, it would look very robotic and almost obviously AI in most cases, even with chat GPT-4. Um, you need several iterations of it and it needs to be finessed, edited yeah. uh, a little bit still. But it will create, it will give you the inspiration for the idea. Like I will ask chat GPT, when I'm just completely blanked and I need to, I need to send some tweets. I need to get some stuff out there, write, you know, five tweets, 10 tweets about improving sales for, uh, you know, this type of client and it will write 10 of them and I'll read them and I won't copy paste any of them, but I'll be like, Oh, but that's a good, I, that's a good, like thoughts. Start. Yeah. It'll then I'll trigger create a completely something. separate. Correct. It's amazing yeah. for inspiration. So that's a great. I, so let's just, I know we don't have a lot of time, but no, let's grab a little bit on this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so 
three things that I always use AI for is one, I love the iteration, the idea aspect that you were just talking about. And two, I'll copy and paste what I've already written in there and then ask for the key takeaways uh, for a specific audience. What would this X audience care about most in this article? Give me five. And then those will be my social media post ideas, the things that I focus on for those social to promote that article or whatever it is. Wow. So it's great. You for upload like the summer. article and yeah. ask what are the, what are five points that are the most important for the audience? Basically? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. okay. And then it gives me a good starting point of, okay, so these are the things that this specific audience would care most about in this article. So those are the things I'll highlight on social. Yeah. And you're uploading that with what AI tool? ChatGPT. That's ChatGPT. Okay, yeah. cool. So that's what I use that for. And then the other, the third thing I always use it for is critiquing. I ask ChatGPT to critique my sales page or my blog. What do you like about it? What do you hate about it? And what should I change? And it gives me a good like second set of eyes before I start editing. Yeah. One thing I, I just very recently started doing is uploading my landing pages and asking for, you know, what are some areas that we could op further optimize and improve the yes. landing page for better conversions. And yeah. sometimes I'm like, I'm going to have to park my park my defensiveness and park my ego because it'll be like, well, this, the headline's kind of weak. And I really think that you could, it could be a little stronger there. And the button really doesn't stand out that much. It's, I don't, the color is not good. I'm like, that's a great yellow. What are you talking about? ChatGPT? This is, what do you mean? Perfect and you suck. Yeah. So, sometimes I have to be like, all right, AI, it's, it's all right. I'll, I'll try what you say and see what, see what I think. Um, yeah. I, I write, fiction for fun, like short stories. So this weekend I wrote one and then I uploaded it and I asked it to beta read it, like critique it like you're a beta reader. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well, thank you for the compliments, but now I'm embarrassed. <laughs> oh, did, did it like it or did it not like it? It did like it, but I asked it to critique me. So then it gave me multiple points that I should improve on it. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you ask, you have to be ready because it, it, it won't hold back. Yeah. No, you have it to be doesn't. Ready for it. There's no, there's no ego there. <laughs> I have one last question for you that I ask all of my podcast guests uh, on this show um, as they're parting uh, question. So that question is, what would be your number one piece of advice for a brand new agency owner that is just starting out in the business? What would be my piece of advice for a brand new? I would say network a lot. The So while content marketing has brought in the vast majority of my clients, at the beginning, it's all about the people you know and building relationships so build that piece into your content marketing. And I mean, a lot of my clients came from people I interviewed on my podcast or my live stream show, referrals from them. So you can make that part of your process and you'll grow a lot faster. I love it. And it, what I love about that so much is it's free. And, you know, a lot of people, they run to paid ads. My, my agency, we're big on paid ads and we spend a lot of money to get people in the door and looking at us and into our pipeline and everything. But there are, when you're just starting out, you don't have that budget to do that. Mm -hmm. You have to, 
you have to turn to more organic methods like content marketing and like your local network. My first three or four clients all came from my local area, my local network, who when you decide I'm going to start my marketing agency, I'm going to go off on my own business, I'm going to do this thing. The first place that you should look is who do I know that has a business? Who do I know in my friends, family network uh, that I can tell about this and offer some type of services? And don't you know charge them a massive agency price? Charge them a freelancer price just to get some money in the door yeah. and get some get some work and and case studies out there. But you can find you know that low hanging fruit, those first great clients. My very first client is a nonprofit organization, massive nonprofit organization. They're the biggest um, HIV AIDS organization in the entire world, um, the AIDS Healthcare Foundation, and. I, um, I volunteered for them for, you know, six months or so. And then I used that relationship to, you know, have, you know, one of my first clients in my agency and it was phenomenal. And they're still with me now, eight years wow. later uh, as, a, as a client. Yeah. I haven't raised their, uh, their retainer since they joined because it's just like, it's kind of like a good omen. Like I just like, yeah. I want to, I'll just keep them where they're at, keep them right there. Cause it's just like they're, a reminder of like where you came from. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, it's, it's great advice. You, you know, use your local network, use the, find that low hanging fruit. Um, and definitely lean into content marketing to create those relationships and, and get, you know, some clients in the door when you're mm -hmm. just starting out. Yeah. Collaborative content marketing to be specific, bringing people in so you can have those relationships built. That's why my dogs are going nuts. The landscapers here. Can you hear uh, a lot oh, more? Trust me. I, I, I can relate on that one. Sarah, <laughs> thank you so much. It was a fantastic episode uh, with tons of nuggets. I, I have on my notepad over here, like all these things written down. So I know when I learn a lot that the audience learns a lot too. So Good. thank you so much for joining us. That's going to be it for today's episode. If you're ready to take your agency to the next level and have your leads, your team, and your sales all done for you, then apply now at dfy-agency-program.com slash scale. That's dfy-agency-program.com slash scale. There will be a clickable link in the podcast show notes below. See you in the next episode of the Digital Marketing Agency Builders podcast.